I'm so glad I'm in church tonight and not watching that stupid Super Bowl. I tell you what, you couldn't hardly pay me to watch that trash pile. Amen. I mean, you'd have to pay me a lot. <clears throat> and I probably would be doing something else when you wasn't looking. <clears throat> anyway, I thank God I got something. We're going to be at the Super Bowl one of these days. Amen. I'll tell you what, he's going to show them what a Super Bowl will be. Amen. When the Lord comes back and it reigns in Jerusalem. Amen. And he's Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And I tell you what, and the whole earth will bow there. And every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen and amen. Boy, I'm telling you what. Now listen, tonight's going to be probably a totally different type of message. It's going to be um, uh, on this thing of deacons back in chapter 3 of 1 Timothy, verse number 8. Likewise, must deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of the faith and pure conscience. And let these also be first proved, and let them use the office of a deacon, being found blameless. Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their houses well. For they that have used the office of a deacon well purchased to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. And boy, we looked at Stephen this morning as a picture and as a reality in the Bible of a deacon. Now, I don't ever understand, I'm going to tell you tonight. I don't understand everything about all the Bible talks about, but I'm going to talk about some very personal things. I'm going to talk about in a way, and here's what I want you to get out of this message. The issue of deacons across America in churches has been a thorny issue for all of my life, I remember here. And it's a shame. It ought not be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. And in this church, I want every family to know if you get this thing down right and, and rise up a little higher and see things from God's perspective, it might keep you from leaving church someday. It might keep you from uh, getting kicked out and, 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 and just wandering in the wilderness, uh, you know, aggravated because of things you've experienced. And so let's pray tonight that God help us. There's some folks not visiting that I just think the world of in Brother Pringle, would you lead in prayer before I preach tonight? Would you care to do that? Stand and pray. I'll tell you what, these folks, I, I just love them. I just love them. I, uh, I haven't seen them folks in forever, but I was always appreciated. I want you to know I love you in the Lord, and I mean that. America is full of folks like them. We'd be in a nice country, I promise you. You wouldn't have to lock your doors at night, would they? Nobody would have to lock their doors. Amen. Now, again, I really want you to get a hold of this because <clears throat> in America, what we're seeing, we've seen a big shift in, in the world of the church. A lot of churches have shut the doors. Um, there's a lot going on. And there's, it's a, seemed like there's a struggle about finding our footing. Now, I'm going to deal with an aspect tonight that has hurt churches because of what's going on. And I just hope you bear with me. I hope by the power of the Holy Spirit I can get across. But this is not going to be, it's more of a preaching, pastoral type message 
than it is anything else. My goal is to help you ride through the storms that you may encounter in your church life. Now, I want to tell you this is important. A lot of great good men and families have gotten blown out because they didn't get this down, what I'm going to preach tonight to you about the area of deacons in a church. Now, let me just start off tonight by saying that we do not in this church have deacons probably in the sense that the average person in Church of America would, uh, would know. But we do, I'm going to make this statement, we don't have deacons. And I got lots of deacons. Both statements are true. I don't have deacons, but I got deacons. Let me give you an illustration of how I say I have deacons. Had a storm the other day, snowed, right? Pretty rough storm for this part of the country. Am I thinking about a parking lot? No. I'm thinking about preaching Sunday. I'm figuring they can walk through the snow. I can walk through the snow. It ain't no big deal. But a man called me up and said, Reggie, uh, if it's okay, I'll be scraping the parking lot. Amen. So folks can get in and out and won't have to walk through the snow and get stuff. I said, man, that's a good deal. I said, well, I appreciate that. I never thought, I never thought about that. And he don't live half a mile from church. lives a few miles. lives farther away from church than I am. And he said, uh, well, I'll, I'll take care of that. Well, I texted him back pretty soon. And I said, well, we'd be glad to pay you because, you know, we'd have to pay somebody. No, 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 no. That's deacon work. Amen. That's right. Amen. Don't want no fanfare. Don't want no, no big deal about it. Just, just the Lord brought to his mind that something needed to be taken care of for the church in a physical, material way and took care of it. I got deacons here. Does that make sense? <clears throat> now, if he had been a deacon. <laughs> That's the problem. You got it. Let's go home. You got the whole message. You got it. Over time, the office of deacon has shifted from the serving and what Stephen done is uh, to a sort of behind-the-scenes control and authority in the church, That's right. which is unbiblical. Amen. But the office of a deacon and a pastor, like Moses' brazen serpent, has been misused. And uh, Moses, there wasn't nothing, Moses' brazen serpent was a wonderful thing happened there, but they got to where they worshipped it instead of the God it represented. Misused us, what God had him do? He said, Burn that, grind that thing to powder and throw it away. And sometimes there are things that men misuse to an extent to where God's going to say, hey, that's what you're going to do with this. We're going to do something else. I am not saying that God does not want deacons. He wants deacons. We need deacons. We have to have deacons. But we need biblical deacons. Men who want to serve in whatever capacity that they can and, 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 and without fanfare, without notice, without all this kind of stuff, and they just want to help the cause of Christ in a way that they can do that. And that's what every church needs. Every church needs it. Most of my life, uh, this is what I saw and heard. That, uh, when I grew up, I don't know if we had any official deacons, but there was a man there who cared about the church, who was always making sure that the doors were open and things like that and took care of and so forth. And uh, I don't ever remember anybody calling him a deacon. He, you just could know that if something needed to be done, he was there to do it. 
Not Danny would know who I'm talking about. Knows exactly. And you didn't have to. But he, you could tell he was. He just cared. What he wanted the church to be open. He wanted people to be there. Wanted people to be saved. Wanted God to be glorified. But he just that he just would do whatever need be done. I guarantee you, if the, if the outdoor toilets had needed to be cleaned, he would have cleaned them. And that's the kind of people we need. Now, after I surrendered to preach, got around a bunch of preachers. I had never been around organized church much. Get into preacher circles and you start hearing preachers, preachers preaching. And what's preachers preach about a lot? Well, I've been fighting the deacons this week. The deacons don't deak, so the preacher can't preach. And it's just like they're all the time talking. I mean, this is lit. You get, I've heard, I started you know, hearing preachers preach and they just talking about deacons and like they was at the devil themselves. I'm like, what's this all this about? You know, and I hadn't been in any organizer, maybe, you know, so far, I don't know. But it just seemed like there was a lot of conflict, irritation, and trouble with deacons. And they'd talk about the deacon board. Well, as I got saved, started reading the Bible, I couldn't find a deacon board anywhere. <clears throat> and then they'd talk about fighting with the deacons. Now, I'm going to say something, now, and I want you to listen to me carefully. This historical and reality in churches of America right now and have been for decades and decades is not entirely at all the deacon's fault. Pastors came and went like seasons of the year. Well, you got a church over here in the community and there's 15, 20 families around there and four or five of them is trying to keep the church open. So the pastor comes in and, and kind of like the old banker told me when I started preaching, old Ty Cobb, he said, Reggie, he said, you sure picked a sorry vocation to get into. I heard you started preaching. I said, Ty, it ain't a vocation. I said, God called me to preach. And he called me back to his office. Now, this guy kept brown sack of liquor beside his desk all the time. No banker. He was an old man when he told me this. He said, you listen to me. He said, I've been at this town a long time, at this bank a long time. And he said, I've seen preachers blow into town and preachers blow out. And he said, they come into town, they're going to be, oh, they're going to do something here in Mountain Grove. And he said, they come in here with their deacons and they want to borrow a bunch of money to a new building project or some project they got. And he said, then they, they get a big loan. And then he said, then they get in a big fight over at the church house. And he said, he swings by on his way out of town and says, could you take my name off of that note? I'm leaving town. And this is the way old Ty said it. He said, God called him in to preach there. God called me here, Ty. And he said, and then pretty soon, about eight months later, God called me out. And left those men in that church with that debt to pay off. Now, maybe they did run him off. I don't know. But I'm going to tell you this much that because pastors have just not stuck out the storm and stayed in the saddle and put their feet in the stirrups and said, I'm going to stay here till God takes me out. God called me here. I'm staying until he literally takes me out. And I'm going to ride with you people through the storms and we're going to love each other and make it through. And not blaspheme the name of Christ. It's a lot of times it's preacher's faults and not the deacon's fault. They come and go. The church gets without a pastor. What's going to happen? You're going to shut the door, shut off the lights? No, there's some men around there who have families who want a church to go to. 
And so they open the door on Sunday and maybe they get together and say, well, could you know any preachers we can call? There's churches all over America right now with, with wanting to know if there's a, by the way, if you're listening online tonight, by the way, all you preachers, uh, if you're interested in somebody uh, getting you to Mexico, Missouri, just to preach and fill in once in a while, there's a church up there wanting some in and, I, and, you, and they'll take care of your transportation getting you up there. Get with me. I suppose I told you that a week ago. If you're online tonight, we've got a bunch of preachers in here. They want to preach. They're ready to preach. And they can preach. Amen. And they can preach. Now, but you, get, you leave somebody like that. So you got these men. They got their wives, their children, their family got a church. So here's what happens. After a few rounds of that, preacher came, preacher left. Preacher came, preacher left. Preacher came, preacher left. Four months, six months, a year and a half, no preacher. You know what? Eventually they get to where they don't trust preachers. And they say, you know, the preachers are not going to keep the lights on here and keep the light bill paid and mow the yard and keep things up. And so what happens is there becomes a shift in authority and control. Okay. And they're afraid to hand the authority over to the preacher because they think they don't tell what he'll do. You remember that last guy we had? And I'm going to get to another issue. So they're kind of afraid to put, you know, a lot of trust in him. And so then they kind of get the idea that, well, we're the ones who stayed here. We're the ones who's kept the door open. We're in charge. You're just here. So you preach your little messages and we'll let you know if we like it or not. And Come on, say amen. But somebody's got to keep the bills paid. Over time, preachers come and they go. And these families that were raised and lived there generationally kept the door open. And uh, so it just kind of gets to be a way of life in church life. Okay. Now, let me just say this to you. Oftentimes, it's not the deacon's fault in, in the sense that they have a hireling. Put up on the board, Judges chapter 17, verse number 10. Now, the, uh, John chapter 10, Jesus said, The hireling careth not for the sheep. And the wolf comes and, uh, and scatters the sheep, and, and the hireling fleeth because he doesn't care for the sheep. Let me just tell you something. Any preacher, you go pastor a church, Brother Jim or somebody said it the other night, I forget who it was, said there's going to be wolves come in every once in a while and you're going to have to deal with them. And the best thing to do is knock them straight in the mouth and the head and make them bark and run off. And I've had people, I've had God's sheep think I was being rough when I knew all along what was going on is a wolf. And a shepherd don't monkey with a wolf. And you show yourself to be a wolf, it ain't going to be fun around here for you. You don't come around here devouring God's sheep and, and doing all that kind of junk. Amen? Right. Now, sometimes pastors thought it was a wolf in sheep's clothing and it was sheep. Uh-oh. <laughs> that don't work either. Amen. But I'm just saying this, that, as, and, that, that, but Jesus said the wolf cometh and the hireling will flee. What's a hireling? Now, let's get down this deacon thing tonight. We're going to talk business tonight, all right? Not having a business meeting. We don't have business meetings. I'll get to that pretty soon. But we're going to get to serious business. What is a hireling in the Bible? Judges 17, there was a Levitical priest, and he just uh, took off from home, and he decided he wanted to be a preacher for make a living preaching. He's stupid. If you think you're going to get rich being a preacher, you just, I don't know what you're thinking. Micah wanted his own, he wanted to hire, he wanted a priest. He said, Micah said, dwell with me and be unto me a father and a priest. That's where you get your Catholicism stuff. 
And I will, watch this. He said, if you be my pastor, I'll give you 10 shekels of silver by the year and a suit of apparel and victuals. And so the Levite went in. He said, I tell you what, if you come pastor here, we'll have you a pastor's house. We'll pay your light bill. We'll give you some health insurance. Uh, and we'll give you so much. And you'll get uh, new shoes every six months and a new suit every six months. I'm coming to your church. I think God called me to pastor at your church. <laughs> Hireling. Hireling. And he just kind of looks everything over real good and figures out when two or three weeks what he should preach on and what he shouldn't preach on. <clears throat> and it all works great and lovely. Not really. And so what happens is, now I want to ask you something. Who do you think, you got Micah and you got this Levite priest that Micah bought and paid for. Who do you think this priest is going to listen to? Who do you think is controlling this, who do you think is controlling this preacher? Yes, sir. Boy, you want to read, by the way, guess what? <clears throat> Poor old Micah, he, he, bought him a, he bought him a preacher he hired him a preacher. Man, we got it. We, you ever hear people at church say, we got us a new preacher. We, we hired us a new preacher. Where are you going to find that in the Bible? Yeah, it's in the Bible. You're called a hireling. You don't hire. You don't hire a preacher. But we hired a new preacher last month. This guy right here hired this preacher <laughs> And another church came along, another false church came along in the next chapter and offered him more money and he left with them. And that's exactly how it works. They raised his salary and he bailed out and said, see you guys later. They got more money. Read your Bible. It'll tell you everything you need to know about church life. Amen. That's what a harling is. is. But here's what I'm getting to. Preachers have proved themselves untrustworthy over time, generationally, and you can't hardly blame sometimes the people in the church for saying, well, we need a preacher, and, but our experiences haven't been good, and so forth. Now, so the authority winds up resting in the deacons instead of the pastor. <clears throat> so then the pastor has to get approval and permission to do anything. <laughs> now I'm going, I'm going to tell you a story try to be nice about it we just got started here at this church and, we, and the second year we was here we started a Christian school well uh, all of a sudden I got notified that there's having a board meeting we had a board back then and I got notified we're having a board meeting and the board, and the board I said what's it going to be about I said well they, they don't think you should spend over $25 without a meet board meeting and their approval for the school can you imagine trying to run a school on a day-by-day basis and having to have a board meeting every time you spent $25? It wasn't about, it wasn't about this, it was about control. And it was also about people in, in opposition to the school. That's what it was about. So we had a board meeting. Now I want to tell you something. A lot of great men, good men, godly men, men love the Lord. We were just, all of us, I included, was just doing what we thought. We thought you had to have, if you had a church, you had a board. It's not in the Bible. I'm sorry. It's not in the Bible. So I, I, I could see the storm coming. I was down there in the hollow living. And I'll tell you, I was dreading coming to that meeting like, ain't no, like you can't imagine. You know, and I'm like, Lord, well, I, what am I, I thought I was supposed to be preaching and pastoring. What am I doing going to a stupid board meeting to fuss over $25 spending limit? <clears throat> 
Instead of going on for God and getting something done, we're having a business meeting. So, you get up here business meeting, and, and I prayed. I got on my knees, and I said, God, I need wisdom. I need help. What, what do I do? And God told me what to do. And I got to business meeting. I sat there at the table, and we pretty soon started up. The head of the deacon you know, deal started up. Well, we're gonna, I, said, Wait. I said, hold on just a second. I said, before we get started, we're going to make this thing real short and easy. If you men can show me in the Bible where there's a board that tells a pastor how to run the church, I will immediately submit to your authority. And if you cannot show me in the Bible where I'm to submit to your authority, I don't think we need to be having this meeting. And this is honest truth. Maybe this will help you preachers. A minute can be a long time when nobody's saying nothing. Now, I don't know how many minutes we sat there and nobody said a word, but there was a few guys look at each other, men who loved the church, loved the Lord, wanted to do what's right. They just didn't know. They like me. They didn't know. They thought that's what you did. And all of a sudden, an older man, listen to me, an older man said, Fellas, I don't know about any of the rest of you, but I can't come up with any scripture right now just on top of my mind that says that a church is to have a board. Does any rest of you know one? They said, don't know one. I said, fellas, listen, I'm not trying to be a dictator. I'm not trying to lower God's heritage, but we've got work to do. And all I'm asking you is if you don't trust me, don't have me as your pastor. But if you can trust me, I'm not going to go do stupid stuff. God being my helper, I'm going to give an account to him for everything I do. And the board meeting was dismissed, and the board was dismissed, and we never had another board meeting. <clears throat> you want to know what, to whatever degree the Lord has used this church? We don't have business meetings. We don't have annual elections. Oh, we're going to have an election. Well, who's going to be Sunday school superintendent? Brother Lewis says, I nominate Brother Lewis. I nominate, another says, I nominate Phil. Another says, I nominate this guy over here. I've got three nominations. Anybody want second nominations? I second nominations. All right, everybody in favor, Brother Luce. Raise your hand, Brother Luce. His wife looks around. And they voted against you. How many for Brother Phil? Or have ballot, whatever you want to do. Don't make any difference, not in the Bible. The only board meeting, the only, meeting, the only election I ever knew in the Bible is when they elected a new, uh, in the book of Acts, they elected a new apostle. And God says, I don't like the way you turned out. You, I ain't using him. <laughs> you didn't vote for the right one. Right? I'll show you Bible colleges in the Bible. They're back in the Old Testament. School of Prophets. Bunch of outfits didn't believe in nothing. They didn't. That School of Prophets was running all them preacher boys. I'll show you. It's all in there. Everything you need to know about Christianity lies in the Bible. Amen. So then here, Brother Stamper, he, he, and Lydia, she looks around and says, your own dad didn't vote for you. <laughs> he, was, he, was, he was for you, being against you, amen. Well, church got over and everybody said, oh, 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 oh. well, let's see, now it's down to two men. Brother Stamper, his dad didn't vote for him. Got these two guys. Now we're going to vote again. Stupidest bunch of nonsense you ever seen in your life. Oh, we're going to have so-and-so to be Sunday school teacher. And he's going, I nominate so-and-so to be Sunday school teacher. And the guy goes, who, me? I have no desire to teach. I went through this every year growing up. Every year we had people mad at each other or jealous or upset because they didn't get, or I don't know what I'm doing. I didn't ask for this. Get up behind the pulpit next week and say, well, I really didn't want to do this, but they voted me in. 
and bore you to death for the next year. Somebody says, well, how do you do stuff around here? Just pray and ask God to lead us and direct us. And I'll tell you right now, I've said this a thousand times. If, it, if, if our stove blows out down there in the kitchen, I'm not having a business meeting to decide what brand we're buying, what color it's going to be, and how many amperages it's going to have. He wants a blue one. I'm serious with you. You know what I do? I say, Sister Linda, go to somewhere and buy a stove. And don't ask no other woman in church what she likes. And I said, if anybody gripes at you, Sister Linda, you send them to Reggie. And Sister Linda, last thing, you're spending God's money and you're going to give an account for it. So you buy good and then you buy it as cheap as you can. That's how I operate. They come in there next week. And some lady says, well, I don't like the color of that stove. I know a better brand than that. Uh-uh, don't you do that. That's sorry and low down. You know what you're doing? You're telling her she's ignorant as a pet coon or something. You're telling her you don't like what she picked out. You're just going to cause trouble. You'll eat the food off of it. Amen? So we don't have elections. You say, you're a dictator. No, I'm not. I'm just leading. We're going to go. We got way more important things to do than pick out the color toilet paper. There's a church in Kansas had a split over pink or blue toilet paper. That's the truth. They had an election about how to vote about it and split the church. Pink. Church elections are not in the Bible. Amen. Amen. Anyway, you say, Reggie, don't you make some mistakes all the time? I don't do everything right. I want to ask you something. You daddies, you got a house, you got a home. What do you do? Walk up every Sunday morning or walk up Monday morning and say, all right, it's time for a family election. Are we going to go to church next week or not? How many is in favor? Going? No, you don't do that. Amen. Somebody's got to lead. Amen. You might listen to them. You might say, I want to hear what you got to think about it. Now, help me make my decision. Somebody's got to say, hey, this is what we're going to do. Mama may appeal to you. That's great. Let her do it. Let her give you your cautions. Listen to her. Listen to the kids. But in the end, do what God tells you to do and get on down the road. That's why churches are deader than last year's corn chucks. That's why a lot of people won't come back to the church house door out here. That's why they shut the door on them. They've been too many dog fights in that church. And people are tired of it. They've got enough fights outside the church. That's right. That's right. Now, I'm going to shock you tonight. I ain't never had an ordination service. I am an unordained preacher. You didn't know that. Some of you will never be back. And I've never had an ordination service, and I ain't saying you shouldn't. I just said I ain't never had one. God ordained me. That's the ordination you need. But I'm not against. Now, I've had two men, godly men, lay their hands on my head and pray for me that God would anoint me and use me. All right? And, and, but I'm telling you, public, here's what I'm trying to get to. Public ordination services are not bad in and of themselves, but they can mean zero. I don't care how many times you've been ordained. If the anointing of God and the calling of God is not upon your life, it's not going to help you in any 
But further than that, I've never been licensed by the state or anybody else. Amen. So when you got married, <laughs> you may not be married. <laughs> you just live together. <laughs> you tell me where in the Bible it told men to get a license from the state to preach. You show me where anywhere in the Bible where it said to get a license from that denominational group to preach. I've had men walk up and say, I've been licensed to preach. I'm like, and? I, okay. So we have to have a license to preach. Did you know whoever's giving you the license has control over you? What if they pull your license? So now God's not called you to preach any longer because they pulled your license? You say, are you against responsibility and accountability? No. Let me give you a little secret. There's a movement went on in the churches called accountability movement. We need four guys to hold me accountable. We need three women to hold me accountable. That always sounded good to my flesh, but it never clicked in my spirit. And here's why. If a man's heart and soul will be accountable to God, that's where you need to get. And if you've got to be held accountable by men, you've got a huge problem. You're not very mature in the Lord. For instance, if it's always got to be mom and dad watching over you or you'll do wrong, you ain't very mature in the Lord. If you're just waiting for somebody that you're accountable to, to be not there. And let me say you something further I don't like about that. There ain't nobody in this world that needs to know your personal sin struggles. I mean, some dude like a Catholic priest walk up to you and say, now, have you been having any immoral thoughts this week? I don't like that. Don, I'm preaching, okay? <laughs> You're just driving the points home, I know. But I'm serious with you. you. We don't need that. What we need is a personal walk with God that says I'm accountable to God and I'm going to tell you something. God's not in the curtain business to other people. And you don't, and by the way, you know why I don't like to have a lot of meetings with people and I don't like to have a lot of counseling sessions with people because I don't want to hear your trash. I don't want to hear you don't I don't want to listen to you tell me all the stupid stuff you got into. You just need to repent and get right with God and get on down the road. Amen. And leave me alone. I don't need to hear it. It gets in my head. I preach and I think about it. This honest truth. <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. If I did, I'd tell them a few things. <laughs> It's just buzz off. <laughs> I mean, grow up. That's right. Grow up. Yeah, that's right. Somebody's got to. That's why I don't. I don't like this. Oh, these preachers. He's got to come by and see you, and and he's got to just. Oh, you can't live life without me, and you just can't be a good Christian unless I'm around you. You. Oh, you know. I'm just got to. Oh, you just need me so bad, brother. You know, you don't need me. You need God Almighty. Amen. I'm gonna die one of these days, or blow out, or do something. And what are you gonna do then? Amen. You need God. Amen. You kids, you teenagers, you listen to me. You get hooked up with God. Amen. <laughs> You get hooked up with God. 
You get in your Bible. You get in your prayer closet. You talk to God. You walk with God. You don't get dependent on preachers. Preachers fail you. Anyway, I didn't have a license or ordained. I just started preaching. And then the home church asked me to preach. Four months after I started preaching, I just took off. Now I'm going to get personal here. Just hang on to your hat. I, I, didn't, I didn't have salary. I worked and I still work. I'm going to tell you why I like that. It keeps me independent. <laughs> you can't say to me, we'll pull your money. Pull it. I like it. But it ain't going to make the difference where I'm at, what I'm doing. And I feel sorry for some preachers. That's why you want to be careful how you get yourself positioned. Danny, you worked every year. You've been preaching 40 years. I never knew a year you didn't work till maybe you're not in a working deal right now, but all the years I knew Danny, he worked at milking cows and, and, and postal business and helped us in sales. I mean, he's always a working. And, I, and, and, and I'm just saying this to you. You've got to be willing to maybe not take a salary. When we started this church here, I didn't take a salary. I didn't care. God was giving me a living outside. I just wanted this church to go. I wanted God to be glorified. I wanted people to be saved. I wanted to see the work. I wanted to get done what God called us to do. As I said earlier, we don't have diggings here, but we, I've got the best diggings in the world. You bet. I've got the best diggings in the world. And I'm telling you, I've had several men over the years. Here's been the theme of my ministry here at this church as far as what God's given me. Reggie, pray for men who love me, love my word, love their wives, love their families, and love the church. Reggie, build strong men. If you build strong men spiritually, you'll have strong marriages. If you have strong marriages, you'll have strong families. If you have strong families, you'll have a strong church. If you have a strong church, you'll affect the community in the area for Jesus Christ. And that's exactly how it works. Amen. But I've had wonderful, wonderful men who the world would call deacons. Men who serve and help without fanfare. And listen, to be careful. And who do not have a Barney Fife attitude. How many in here knows what I'm talking about? <laughs> what are you laughing about? <laughs> Barney Fife. You know, I'm just being honest with you. Just, they just, they, no fanfare. They don't walk around doing this. <clears throat> you know, I do that. <laughs> it's because I'm so skinny, amen. I can pull my britches up every once in a while. Amen. We need to have a good time at the house of God. Amen. I'm telling you what. Ain't nobody has more fun. with. We're having more fun than them Super Bowl people are. I promise you that. But I'm talking about men who serve and help and care and stand. I'm talking about standing. Standing with the word of God and standing with the man of God when it ain't easy. When maybe friends and family and people say, you don't go to church down there. Are you kidding me? Men that are not ashamed to be your friend. Paul's talked about Onesiphus. He said he was not ashamed of my chain. That's one of the most important verses you'll ever read about Christian life. He said he often refreshed me. And I've had men who stood by me in this church, I'm telling you. Now I'm going to give you a little advice as far as men in the church and working in the church and pastoring you preachers. Don't go into debt. Never take a ministry in the debt. Do not take a ministry in the debt. If you can't, God doesn't provide the money out front, don't do it. There's two or three things about that. Number one, when God does it, you'll be able to give him the glory and you'll have a testimony to show people the power of God. Second thing is you lay your head on your pillow tonight and don't worry about how (laughs) some note's going to get paid off. I'm serious with you now. So don't take your church in debt. 
Because debt, and watch this. Remember what we're going to talk about preachers coming, getting church in debt. Then they leave, and those men are hung with the debt. You know what they can say? You know, and then watch this. Preacher leaves. Oh, he came in town. Everybody thought he was great. And there's a bunch of people come to town. Money was up, offerings up good. And that preacher left. And then people started leaving the church. And then here's that core group of guys in their homes and families. And they got this debt. They got an empty building. It's pretty discouraging. Don't do it. You'd be better off meeting in a tent outside somewhere or storefront or anything in a barn than going head over heels in debt to build up some big building that you're going to use for three hours a week. Ain't a businessman in the country to do that, much less a ministry. Now, going to get tight here. Ready? The credentials for a biblical deacon He's to be the husband of one wife. So if a church ordains deacons, he must be that. Okay? But I'm going to tell you, this is personal experience. I don't understand all about it, but I'm going to tell you tonight something. Over the years here, it has often been men who've been, everybody listening good, it has been men who were divorced and remarried who had the greatest hearts to serve and wanted the least recognition. Can I tell you something tonight? That this church had up until COVID a wonderful, wonderful jail ministry. Do you know the men who would go to jailhouse most faithfully? It wasn't men who were qualified biblically to be a deacon. It was men who had been married before, maybe divorced, remarried. Who just said, Reggie, I want to serve. I want to do what I can. I'll go with that stinking jail over there. Are you listening to me? Amen. They say, I, I, and, and you know what they say, Reggie, I, I, I'll not be, I, I can't qualify to be a deacon, but I just want to do what I can to help the work of the Lord. So you can take that, like it, lump it. I don't care what you say about it. I've lived it and I've seen it. Give me a man whose heart is broken, but who is healed by the Lord and who feels in his heart that he owes a debt of love to God. God, I know I can't be a biblical deacon, but Lord, would you give me something I can do in this church to help? And I've had that over and over and over again. I'm not saying that you should do that. I'm just saying I thank God for that kind of attitude among people. Let me just say this to you tonight, that with deacons and men of the church and a pastor, there has to be operate. The only way you can operate truly biblical is in trust. Listen to me tonight. I operate on trust. If I ask Brother Phil to go do something tonight, you listen to me now. I said, Brother Phil, the church needs this shit done or whatever like that. I am not going to follow him around and see if he's going to do it right. Number one, I'm not going to ask him to do anything if I don't believe he loves this church and is faithful and dependable and has shown that in a pattern of his life. If I'm going to ask him to do something, I'm going to trust him to do that. I am not going to go. And if he muffs it up, I figure, you know what? That's a good deal. Makes me feel better about my muff-ups. 
as long as I know that he tried to do the best he could for God's work. I'm not worried about all that other stuff. You say, Reggie, why? I trust him. And Phil, I do trust you. You're sorry and low down just like I am. But I trust him. I I could send him. I'd say, Phil, this is what we need done. I'm I'm putting this in your hands. And I don't look back. I go sleep at night. I don't, oh, Lord, I wonder if Phil's taking care of that. I don't do that. I trust him. And I want you to do this. You've got to be able to trust me. If I did not trust a man, I would not sit under his pastoral preaching. I wouldn't. If you can't trust me, you need to find a preacher you can trust. That is not to say that I am trustworthy. But I want to be. And I'm because I'm telling you, if you can get a church that operates on trust, there's power. in trust. How, how, does, how does God save you? How does God save you? You trust him. Now, God's trustworthy. People are not. I know people can break trust. But true Christianity and true church life has to be built upon trust. It really does. I'm telling you, Christianity is a world of trust. And you want to guard your trust with all your heart. If people trust you, you take care of that trust. Let me tell you how powerful trust is. Do you trust your spouse tonight? The heart of her husband does safely trust in her. Your whole marriage life is dependent upon trust. And church life is, if you want to see God do something, operate on trust. Does that mean they'll do everything right? No, it does not. But I tell you this much, to know that a man's heart is the right. I'm going to tell you, there's a man sitting back here. His name is Ed Waltice. I would give him the key to my house to that man. I would, if I said I hadn't had to go to Africa and I'd say, Ed, here's the keys to Elma cars, house, everything. I'm putting it in your trust. That's how much I trust that man. There's many men in this church house. Danny Friend. There's just all kinds of guys around here that I could trust. And that's how it operates. Well, then let me just say something to you. We're shifting into an area here from deacons, not just from deacons, but we're going to add to it the issue of elders in the church. If you study elders in church, they are aged men who have proven their walk with God by a consistent pattern of life. And they're aged men. That's elders. Okay. They are heads of families. They are grandpas who have descendants in the church. Okay. It's a very important thing. And they are people who probably have more authority, as we might talk about in a church, than than deacons ever dreamed about. Deacons were called to serve people. And Stephen went out and preached. But elders are men who have descendants and people in church. They have families and they're aged men who have proven themselves faithful, dependable, and solid in doctrine and trustworthy. Elders are very, very important in the church. The old men is who you need to listen to. Rehoboam went to the old men. They told him what to do. He rejected their counsel and went with the counsel of the young men and ruined the nation. Caused a civil war. We need men who love the Lord, men who love the brethren, and men who love the lost. And their whole goal is to see God glorified, people saved, and righteousness exalted in the land. And know that it's not about them. It's not about the pastor. It's not about our church. It's about Jesus Christ. 
Now, I'm going to give you some things that I know about pastoral leadership and how decision and ship is meant. And I'm saying this for some of you preachers in case you get out there. Here's some things that I know. That the same Holy Spirit that indwells me indwells every believer in the church. Is that not right? Amen. Same Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's not going to contradict himself. This is a very important thing in pastoral leadership you need to get a hold of. The same Holy Spirit that dwells in me also dwells in every believer in that church. And he's not going to be divided against himself. Okay? He's going to be unified and make one. And they were in one accord. The power of God fell. Now, hear what I'm saying. I watch. If I've got, let's say, like, I want to build a tabernacle. Build a tabernacle here. I want to have camp meeting. Here's what I, when I, when God lays something on my heart, here's how I operate the church. God lays something on my heart. I will mention it usually from the pulpit and I will watch the spiritual reaction of the people in this church. I watch their eyes, their countenances, their faces, and it, I, I read the church. I care what the Holy Spirit is bearing witness in your heart about what we're doing. Because many times God has kept me from messing up when I see that you, you, you're for me, but Reggie, I, something ain't clicking about this. That's God's red light, caution light for me to back up, re-listen, make sure that God is leading me in that direction. Does this make sense to everybody? What is it? It's the Holy Spirit bearing witness in the congregation, the same Holy Spirit. If he's putting it on me, he will put it in you. Now, there may be things you don't understand, maybe things I don't understand, but what I'm saying is that the spiritual leadership in church is to, put, to let the Holy Spirit confirm in the body of Christ that which God wants us to do. I don't know if that makes sense or not. You say, Reggie, who do you pay attention to? I pay attention to the people that love this church. I pay attention to the people that are living for the Lord. They're dedicated. I didn't say sinless people. I said people who just love the Lord and doing the best they can by God's grace to serve God. They're faithful people. They'll be, just going to be honest with you, they'll be here Wednesday night. Um, if they can, if they can. I'm just being honest with you. I, I'm serious with you. I put more, I put more emphasis. I put trust. I, you know, I just feel like, hey, they care. Now, if, if you can't drive, there's people here who drive a long way. And I don't know how you get here when you do. Okay, I'm not putting you down at all. But I am just saying, in a general sense, there I watch for their dedication, their devotion. And then I try to sense how the Holy Spirit is working in the people. And I try to listen to your hearts with my heart as to the witness of the, and the pulse of the church, how the Spirit of God is leading. I am not to be a Lord over God's heritage. That's Bible. Amen. But I'm to be an example to the flock. I'm not to be some kind of dictator. I am to lead, not drive. But leading, you have to make a decision. Right. Now you've got a shepherd leading, and a sheep comes up and says, Hey, Shep, I don't like that pasture you're headed to. I think we ought to go this way. <laughs> Enough said. You've got to make decisions. Now I'll tell you what, my wife's sitting over here. I've made... How many of you guys have made at least three stupid decisions concerning your family since you got married? <laughs> Let me just tell you something. Every decision a pastor makes is not going to be spot on. He's going to make some wrong turns in the road, okay? 
It's just part of being in a, in a sin-cursed world. But there has to be decisions made and saying, let's move, let's go. If God is in something, I may feel that he wants done. I bounce it off the congregation. I listen. I watch for the Holy Spirit's confirmation in the people. Then I listen for cautions. I mentioned something here not too long ago. A man came to me, gave me a little caution, and I liked that caution. Let me tell you something. I'll put stock in a man who I know loves this church and loves the work of God and has been faithful. I'll put stock in what that man says, especially if his attitude's right. If, he's just say, if he says, Reggie, hey, I'd like for you to think about this before we move forward. Just think about this. Not against what you're doing, but I just want you to think about this. You might take this in consideration. If I've got a problem with that man saying that, I'm the one who's got the problem, not him. <clears throat> we need to listen to cautions and we need to be able to see other people's perspective. Sometimes people do not understand. Sometimes a pastor has to make tough decisions. But we have to obey God even when folks don't understand. Right. Let me just say this to you. We should not be in this for personal gain or popularity. And I'm going to say a few things tonight and this has to do with your relationship, preacher's relationship with deacons, deacons' relationship with a pastor. I've never been in this for popularity or gain. If I had been, it had been the stupidest move ever made. This church has never had to provide me a parsonage. This church has never had to pay my utility bill, my gas bill. Okay? I've never asked church to do that. But let me tell you what the church has done. They prayed for me, stood by me, supported me, loved me, held me up. And then let me tell you what else the church has done. They paid for me and Karen an Alaska cruise one time. Boy, and that was fun, and we had a good time, and I've ever been grateful that the church get, sent us on an Alaskan cruise. The church a couple, three years ago, bought us, her and I, uh, 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 a, a truck. Isn't that a blessing? Amen. This church has been good to me. Good to me. Pays me probably three times more than what I'm worth. <laughs> uh, the church does pay our monthly health share, Christian share deal. The church does that. I'm grateful for that. Now, I'm not saying that a church shouldn't do this for somebody else. But what I am saying is you can't be in it for the money. And, and, and you preachers, don't go out there and expect churches to give you everything you ever think you need. If you're afraid to get your hands dirty, I don't think you're going to make much of a preacher. If you're afraid to put a hammer in your hand or a shovel in your hand, I don't think you're going to do too swift. I'm not saying that a church shouldn't for somebody else, but it's not, I don't, for me, it wouldn't be good. And God has been so good, and I want to tell the church I think, and I'm going to try to close out tonight by saying this, that I want to thank the Lord, and I want to thank all the men, the great men that I've had the privilege of serving all these years. Many, many of those men are deceased now. Some of the greatest men I ever knew. Some mornings, I walk into this church house, this honest truth. And I wished I had pictures of them and their wives up on the wall. Just so I wouldn't forget them. So I could look at there and remind myself of how those men stood with me and prayed for me and helped me and helped this church. And this church is today what it is because somebody loved God. And we had enough charity in to overlook me. Amen. Now, I'm not for putting names on the end of pews. That makes me sick. 
And I'm not putting bricks up on the wall and saying this is paid for. Don't you, you give something, give it secretly. Let God get, reward you in heaven. But I don't want none of that nonsense. But I'm talking about honoring people who were faithful. I, I mean, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about Brother Forrest and Sister Lovelace. Boy, that old man was a blessing. He never wanted anything out of it. I'm telling you, he just wanted this church to go for God. Oh, there's a bunch of them. I mean, there's a bunch of them. And that's what I'm afraid of is I'll forget. You know, just years pass by and you forget how much they helped and they served and gave and so forth. Man, many are deceased, but there are many here tonight, today. And I want to tell you, man, I appreciate you. And I'm not joking you. This church needs you bad. This country needs you bad. And I'm as a pastor, I need you bad. There are some men that are not here tonight that have left that did a lot for this church. I still love them. I may not have appreciated some things that happened or appreciated the damage that was done to the work here because of the decisions they made. But I still appreciate the support and the work and the labor that they did in helping this work. I still love them. Sometimes there is sin and God removes people or pastors. Pastors, God can take pastors out. He can take them out just as fast as he can take anybody else out. Amen. Sometimes there's disagreements and sometimes there's misunderstandings and sometimes God is moving and has work for other people in other places. But in all the things that happen over the years in a, in a church, what we need to do is this. And Karen and I have this up on the whiteboard by our kitchen table. Committed unto him that judgeth righteously. All the church problems you've ever had, all the misunderstandings, the disagreements, you commit it to him who judgeth righteously. It's very hard for me to see inside the heart of another person. And I might not judge righteously if I, knew, I might not judge righteously because I may not know everything that I would need to know to judge righteously. I want to say this to the men or anyone. You will never do yourself or your descendants a favor by getting a bad and contentious attitude toward a preacher and a pastor, irregardless of what he's done. If you honestly can't trust him, I wouldn't set myself and my family under his preaching or his leadership. And always remember, he is, after all, a man. And the preacher needs to remember that, after all, deacons and men of the church are men. And as I said often earlier, preachers bear the responsibility of a bad church structure Deacon problems, people have had some bad experiences with preachers, trust was broken, there were hurts and wounded, and preachers must, irregardless, hold to the truth, be an example to the flock, preach the word, the whole counsel of God, endure hardness, deal with some sorry, wicked wolves, and uh, deal with carnal Christians, worldly Christians, deal with his own failures, his own sin, deal with his own stupidity. But a preacher has to stand, he has to fight and proclaim the truth and be without partiality. Now, I'm going to tell you guys something tonight. Listen to me. One thing that will destroy a church real quick is partiality. There are no big wigs in this church. And if you think you are, you're not. If man thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. I'm not a big wig. Say amen right there. Okay. And I need to operate without partiality. 
that means that I treat everybody in this church with the same respect and the same love. Amen. And ain't no family in here better than somebody else. Your last name doesn't mean nothing. The numbers of your family doesn't mean nothing. Without partiality. And I was going to be honest with you preachers. That's where you're going to have trouble because they'll want you to treat them with partiality. And if you don't treat them partial, then you're in trouble. Preachers must not have a fear of man. And never allow themselves to be controlled by people or anyone except the Holy Spirit of God. It would amaze you how much not only preachers are controlled within their own congregations, but by public school officials, city officials, county officials. And he must not be controlled by his wife. Amen. Amen. Ain't nothing worse than a preacher who's totally controlled by his wife. He's always looking over to see if she approves of what he said or not. Or he, I mean, or he, I mean, it's just stupid. Just stupid. I, you, y'all tarred this, ain't you? Well, every pre- pastor and every preacher needs men. He needs men that love God. You can call them what you want to. Call them deacons. Call them what you want to. But we need men who love the Lord who love the Bible, know the Bible, read the Bible, study it, meditate, who will pray for their preacher, pray for their church, who will strive by God's grace uh, to live by the Scripture. We need men that will love their wives and their children, love the church. And I want to tell you something about loving the church. Jesus loves the church. He died for the church, gave his life for the church. He's coming for the church. He's marrying the church. You better love the church. Amen. You don't love the church, you're, you're at odds against God. <laughs> And you need, I would say this to you, everybody in the church has needs to understand there is spiritual warfare. It'll be personal. It'll be within the church and it's in the world. It's part of life as a Christian. You want to have a little bit of tranquility? Just don't go to church. <laughs> <laughs> keep loving the lost. Keep seeking their salvation. Love righteousness. And even though they fail themselves, preachers ought to still love their men. Amen. And I'm going to tell you something. I know I rambled here and there, but, not, but I give you some stuff that will help you endure the time test of going to church and church life. Because it's rough out here. The people in church don't know how to really deal with the pastor. The pastor doesn't know how to deal with the church because of some things that we're doing that's not biblical. Might be sincere, might be trying to do the best we can, but it ain't right. Okay. I don't want any questions. All questions are going to Dean. Dean, you're taking any questions and comments after church. Dean will be over there on the right. If you want to ask him any questions about anything I preached, you ask Dean, okay? <laughs> Let's stand. <laughs>